Welcome to the Esports Network podcast, talking anything and everything esports related. I'm your host, Kevin Correa, and today we'll delve into a little bit more of the scholastic esports scene coming up between the levels of college, high school, maybe even some middle school esports. And here to help me talk about their perspectives and some of the things going on in their industry, let's welcome Mason Mullineau as the CEO and co-founder of Generation Esports and his buddy, his good old buddy, Jonathan Schrader, the VP of Growth, who joined October of last year. So Mason, uh, Jonathan, I can't thank you guys enough for hopping on with me and, and really helping explain uh, some of the, the goings-ons at Generation Esports and maybe tip a little bit of, of your cap uh, in regards to some of the controversies happening in the Scholastic League. So thank you guys for hopping on with me. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. Happy to be here and, and kind of share our perspective with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. For sure. And so, uh, Mason, I, I guess uh, let's start with you really quickly just to go over some of the background so people are aware of like what you're about and, and what the company is about. Kind of we had your your uh, your old uh, not your, your old, but your current coworker, I guess, Charles Riley on a few months ago and, and Marcus Watts as well. They kind of talked about Generation E and what was going on uh, at that point in time. But now it's a few months later. And so I wanted to hear your perspective on, on how exactly came about starting up the high school esports league and Generation Esports. What was the primary motivation for doing so all those, I guess, almost 10 years ago, I want to say? Uh, yeah, it's about 10 years ago now. Um, I think our first event was in this this coming summer, 10 years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, Charles, I believe, is uh, who you talked to. And he had, uh, you know, I, I listened to that podcast. He told his story and I think he did a great job. And there was even some parts that I didn't even remember. Um, it's been so long, but yeah, I mean, the motivation behind it was, you know, the market was terrible at the time. Um, no jobs to be found anywhere. We knew we wanted to do something positive, uh, and we knew we wanted to do something in gaming. And there were ideas of, uh, coaching. There were ideas of starting a land center, um, and it finally got around to, you know, just through conversation with friends and family and ourselves. Uh, why is it that, you know, high schools don't have teams? Because, you know, we went to a very large 6A school here in the Midwest. All they care about is football. And their budget was football and, and you know, multi-million dollar stadium that's sponsored by Under Armour and, you know, the whole nine yards and the, the athletic director, all they care about is bussing their kids around. And um, we just kind of felt isolated. And I, I knew that there were a bunch of other kids at, at school that felt the same way. And, and so um, when the idea to have a team for esports came up, um, something kind of uh, sparked in our brains and we're just like, okay, the, we're onto something here. Uh, pitched a story to to family and friends, and and they loved it. They thought it was great. Um, very small amount were like, "What are you, what are you talking about? Video games in high school?" Uh, but most of them were like, "Yeah, that's a great idea." Uh, so we just kind of um, ran with it, and uh, the like the the whole idea was to give back because we did didn't have it. It was something that we really wanted, um, something that we would have been more excited to go to school. If, if we're there mm -hmm. uh and and so that's kind of the origin of of the idea i guess 
and it's been 10 years plus now and so obviously um you guys have done something right if you guys have lasted for so long a lot of startups come and go and they don't often last i think beyond the five-year mark and you guys have, have essentially doubled that and i will say it's, it's been a really weird experience since scholastic esports blow up and you guys kind of being on on that forefront with it as well i mean just uh, just the last day i think i had we had uh, some news here locally in my area in, in dallas so we had uh some of the first students uh signing esports letters of intent to go to colleges yep. and play for their programs i thought that was amazing and so i'm sure jonathan is being p- been paying attention to it as well he's been working uh maybe not exactly in esports son all around with learfield uh you know in my area of the woods and obviously working with uh you know getting some olympics in some places and so jonathan what came about uh joining jonathan uh joining generation esports how did that kind of come about for you and what was was your motivation and kind of seeing and joining a group like this uh it's a good question so uh, you briefly touched on it, but I came over from Learfield, the largest multimedia rights holder in traditional college sports, um, where I helped start their collegiate esports division, Level Next there. And I was there for about four and a half years. Um, But that was really started because we believed in scholastic esports. And so, um, you know, after seeing that take off in a full within a full year, and, you know, by the time our spring showcase came around with Rocket League, we had reached over 50 million people through all of our marketing and uh, viewership. Um, you know, I had learned a little bit about Generation Esports, kind of just stumbled across it. And, you know, a couple conversations with um, Mason, um, Charlie, and a few others on the team really got me interested and intrigued, frankly, that uh, there was a company that deep down was doing something, making a difference for educators. Um, for students and for parents um, at a very foundational level. And that to me, having been um, in esports back at my agency days, helping out Riot Games start up the LCS and, you know, seeing Overwatch League take off and working with other professional teams and most of all, helping brands understand how they can get involved with esports overall. Um, there was just something special about this group. And so continuing to talk to them, continuing to do my research, I, I really felt the connection with them and really just felt motivated to be a part of what Mason is building here um, to take Scholastic Esports to that next level. And I'm sure we'll talk about it, but there's so many different things that we've really kind of put the gas pedal on over the last few months, all to make sure that we are hearing educators that we are hearing students and we're giving them everything that they want and hopefully then some but that's why i joined and it's been a blast in just the last few months all right mason time to give your your thoughts uh, this is secretly a performance review for jonathan so let's just talk about now no 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 we're not going to do that to you <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly to hear you guys talk about because I, I, I talked to, to marcus watts as well you're your directing uh, uh marketing director over there and he kind of had the same thoughts as you that there was something special about this group about this company that kind of brings in and attracts outside people to kind of join in and take up some uh, i guess not a, not a cause but something uh, a little bit less about making uh, a profit and more about you know making kids and uh, bringing them closer to esports and kind of making that, that whole new infrastructure for these kids to, to kind of build upon and, and and kind of move forward with their lives and take, take something away from it. And so the real reason I wanted to bring you on and kind of... <clears throat> 
have, have I know you guys have thoughts about this is um, lately has been an issue of exclusivity rights among you know amateur esports platforms right we uh, the big one is we saw play versus kind of allegedly send out some uh, some cease and desist letters to a few high school high school esports leagues some here in Texas I've seen a few in Ohio kind of also uh, have these issues where these these are often you know state sponsored esports uh, esports leagues and they play, basically play versus allegedly claimed that they have the exclusive high school varsity rights to games, you know, like League of Legends, like Mario Kart, like, you know, Super Smash Bros., Overwatch, things of that nature. When you guys first heard of this story coming out, I mean, what was your immediate reaction to hearing that maybe, I guess, would you call them a competitive play versus would be like some kind of competition kind of taking advantage of these schools who don't have the kind of resources to fight back? Yeah, that's a difficult question to answer. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, somewhat of a competitor in, in, in the sense that we offer uh, esports leagues and, and tournaments to high schools um, as a community. Uh, the, the, the whole exclusivity thing, you know, we first heard about that. Um, you know, obviously, we hear things a little bit before the rest of, of the community does. And uh, the first one to go was um, League of Legends back in the day, um, which, you know, obviously have some mixed feelings there. Um, running League, League was one of our first games that we offered and built a, a, a big community for. Um, and, you know, there's some... It, it's, it's a little bit of a strange... Uh, position to be in because, you know, we have great relationships with all of these publishers, um, including Riot. And, you know, we, we want to be good partners to them and, and stay above board and, and, you know, not cross them in any way. And, and, you know, because that, that helps us um, gain access to, you know, private servers and, um stat tracking and integration into the platform and things like that. Uh, but at the same time, when y you have these actions going on, I mean, it's, it happened with Epic and then Epic, you know, they, they uh, quote unquote sunset their uh, Fortnite product, which you can read between the lines there. Um, but, you know, Nintendo has come out and said multiple times that nothing is exclusive there. Uh, so for them to go out and, and claim that exclusivity on the behalf of publishers, uh, somewhat of, um, to me, I, I wouldn't even think about doing that. I, you know, if the publisher wants to do that, then that's great. It's their IP. Uh, but as an organizer, you know, I, I could see the side of wanting to protect the contract, but that's something you go to your partner and, and talk to them about. Um, so it was a little odd to start seeing these letters pop up. I mean, we got one directly from their CEO, mm. uh, Play versus CEO, uh, and and everyone else got one from uh, a different email. Um, and so people started sharing those with us, and you know, we were just kind of a little bit in shock um, for the most part, especially with the Nintendo stuff, uh, because we had been in talks with Nintendo about some educational content. Uh, so, you know, we, we shared that around and um, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know if I fully answered your question, but. Well, and I can jump in too with a couple other thoughts as well, mm -hmm. you know, Please. having seen and, and Kevin, you probably 
see this a lot with esports network is that you know from the professional side you know scholastic is very relatively new compared to you know the professional esports scene and even in the grand scheme of things professional esports is still new when you compare them to traditional sports and so you have a couple different things going on here one is you have the esports community overall still vying for a voice and legitimacy uh when it comes to your more traditional sports but then you have to go down even deeper and you look at scholastic esports which in this context for everybody who's listening who doesn't fully understand scholastic esports just means uh esports competitions and opportunities for everybody who's a student so whether you be college middle school high school those are your more your main players there and so you know the biggest thing that happens is you know when you look at esports is video games are the driving force behind them and what makes video games so much more different than your traditional sports the first thing is that the majority of us play it 97 of 12 to 17 year olds are playing video games what's the next thing that comes with that well people who are playing video games many of them you know are playing it with their friends but also a lot of them video games are their life or it's a way for them to meet new friends and feel included and so that idea of inclusivity i talked about at the beginning why i joined generation esports i think that's at the core of a lot of this we're talking about exclusivity that's the exact opposite of inclusivity and if you go out and talk we're ingrained in scholastic esports every single day if you go out and talk to teachers and educators why they do this you know and what are, what do they want from organizations like ours they want to have a voice they want to have opportunities for their students they want to you know have a an opportunity to give their students just something that they can wrap around and oh yeah it's not just about the competitive side you know three percent of all those playing in esports and participating are playing competitively it's the other mass majority of them that are going into learn you know their careers you know stem careers their communication careers pr careers etc um and so that is what i think when we hear about these allegations that for me is you know is kind of off-putting is because everything that this is is fundamentally against what teachers and students and our entire scholastic esports space has wanted and to alienate them is just doing <clears throat> them a disservice no for sure and and I'm, I'm someone who's married to a teacher and she she constantly brings up that you know these kind of issues aren't just uh you know, kind of exclusive to esports because I, I kind of read her the story, I gave her the rundown because you know, that's, that's my wife. That's why I, I, I tell her everything, and it's, it's a side effect of being married. But she kind of came up with like, well, we kind of had the same issue with you know, you can do, you can call it back to the same issues with uh, drink providers, whether you want Pepsi or Cola in your schools, whether you want a certain milk company or a certain food uh, delivery service at your school, and it just it kind of struck me as, as like, this is a little bit different than that. This is, it goes above what you're consuming and, and uh, goes into what entertains you, what entertains people around you, kind of what brings you together. It's a really communal thing to see video games uh, in schools and of that nature, you know? And, and so to have this kind of come up, my first thought was that was, I was flustered when I was reading through these stories. I was like, this is, this doesn't seem right. This, this seems more like somebody who is putting themselves first versus what should be putting these kids, these schools, these teachers, these communities first, which, you know, they have, while they have every right to do so, that's, that's fair. 
I feel like a lot of it is getting lost in the messaging of what they really want to go through. So I guess like off top, uh, when Generation Esports, you know, operates events or when they put together tournaments or put together leagues for these schools, these school districts. I mean, how often does that topic of exclusivity for games come up for you? I mean, do, do teachers come up and say, hey, is there a reason we can't play a certain game? And you have to kind of break the news like, well, unfortunately, we don't have the rights to these games like the publishers signed off exclusivity to somebody else. And is it kind of. Is it often that happens, or, or is it kind of just kind of just ha- you know once in a blue moon? Yeah, so that's um, that that's really only been an issue with League of Legends until a few months ago, uh, with the the Blizzard um, Activision partnership um, with with Play Versus. Uh, so y- yes, it, it has been an issue with with League, um, but you know we tried to provide. Uh, games offering that you know no no other leagues provide. So, for instance, we pro- with the spirit of inclusivity in mind. I mean, our, our most popular games are um, tutor games, and mm-hmm. I know that there's controversy around that and, and being in school. But w- if we really want to stick to the hey, we're supporting all students. I mean, there's scholarship opportunities, there's amateur pro opportunities out there for. Um, shooter games and we're not going to exclude them um and and you'd be surprised how little pushback we get uh, mm-hmm. from from that um i think once a teacher or a principal understands that it's not really necessarily about the games that they're playing it's more about the camaraderie and the teamwork and the soft skills uh and engaging students that haven't ever done anything at school before um, you know, our, our surveys show that about 80% of our user base hasn't participated in anything at school. Um, you know, that, that to me is far more important than, okay, well, bummer, we don't get to play League of Legends. Okay, whatever, we're going to go play something else um, that they do offer. So it hasn't been a huge issue, um, but it, it hasn't come up very often either. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of, of games to play. So, um, I can add just a little bit of recent, you know, context to that, mm-hmm. the, you know, the recent blizzard Activision, you know, having to remove overwatch from our spring majors and our, our national championships, frankly, has, we've received a lot of concerned students and upset mm-hmm. educators because, they were excited to participate in this. We had national championships scheduled in May, and now we have a double whammy that we have to break to teachers and students that not only do we have to move everything virtually because of COVID, and unfortunately, you know, that's most important is people's safety, but now the games that you frankly won in your fall majors and we're looking forward to in the spring majors, now you can't even play those that is where this type of conversation gets so difficult because they've worked so hard for so long and they look forward to these opportunities. And it's just like when, you know, with any sport, you strip that away from them or tell them you have to play here. It, it's a really hard thing to do. And we're, you know, our, our hands are tied. We do the best that we can, but you know, our hands are tied. Yeah. Kev, I'll just add a little bit yeah. to just on a personal note. Um, that it, it's like that feeling was it's almost the same as when we got word that we had to pull league of legends wow. I mean, we had thousands of players um playing in that game 
And, you know, overnight we had to tell them, hey, there's now no opportunity for you with us. Um, and many of them didn't want to go play with anyone else because they, they enjoyed our offering. Um, we got, you know, a lot of letters and, and messages on Discord and things like that. And it's gut-wrenching. You know, th this is somebody's dream that they are literally practicing and working hard for. I mean, it's telling a, a football, like, a football player, hey, you got a full ride to, you know, the college of your choice. And, oh, guess what? Now you can't play your senior year. Mm. And and now that's in jeopardy. I mean, it's it's awful. It hurts. Uh, it hurts me. It hurts us at the company. I mean, um, our Slack channel was kind of blowing up over this Overwatch thing. Like, man, I'm getting messages about you know, this kid um, here and this teacher here. And, and it's just it's breaking my heart. Um, and so it's just kind of the same feeling all over again. Uh, but luckily we were able to provide some sort of overwatch competition for them, um, to be able to showcase their skills this time around, uh, which kind of lessened the blow, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's divisive and it, it really is. Um, we just want a seat at the table, right? We just want to be able to compete and, you know, the publishers, if they want to have their, uh, you know, their own league, that's great. You know, that's totally fine. But why, why stifle the growth? Why mm. stifle the opportunity uh, of students? Why not let them allow, allow them to play in multiple leagues and get a ton more experience and, and showcase their skills in even more places? Um, you know, we do a national event, uh, play versus does state events. I mean, it, they're, they're different things. So why not allow them both to live in the same space mm -hmm. and let the students decide, let the teachers decide. Um, and my guess would be a lot of them would play in multiple different, different leagues. And I, th I think a lot of them do currently. Uh, but when you have somebody coming in and, and demanding that, okay, well, that $60 game you bought, you can't use it how you want to. I mean, that's, it, it just, it, it's, it's, um, it's heartbreaking. It puts a bad taste in everyone's mouth. I mean, the schools and themselves are sitting, sitting back that, you know, as you can imagine, like a principal would sit there and go scratch their head. Like, okay, well we paid for a bunch of computers. We paid for the games and now we can't play them. What do you mean? I mean, we just invested a lot of money into this. And so what is that? I mean, what do you think that, that principal is thinking? Okay. Well, this was a bad decision we're not doing esports anymore. Um, so, it, and that's maybe anecdotal, uh, but you know, it's harmful across the board. For sure. And it's, um, it, it's, it's hard to say like, you know, especially to these kids, you know, like, well, you can't play the games you want because of, you know, reasons that are beyond anybody's real control besides the people who are in charge. And so, I mean, it, it's funny because I was just reading this press release from Riot Scholastic uh, Association. They're, they're, they're little, uh, collegiate uh, scene if you will and that they were partnering with Star league to to have a, a new valorant you know inf infrastructure built up and everything for college students so we'll be, we'll be seeing more valorant collegiate scenes pop up at the very end of that press release they note that riot will not be you know exercising any exclusivity rights and i'm just like how sad is that that they have to put that at the end and it's pretty much you're at the mercy of these publishers right so whether they 
exercise that right or not, or, or they give it to somebody else to have it exclusively. Are you? Are, is it more blaming on the publisher side of things, or is it the operators? You think? I, I mean, you know, I, our my perspective, and Mason, I, I think you would agree, is that at the end of the day, it's the publisher's choice, and mm-hmm. we respect that. Um, it's their IP, you know, they built it up. It's their fan base, their consumer base. Um, I think what we've seen is that exclusivities haven't worked and, you know, esports at a much macro level, again, for most people listening is that it's typically a loss leader for, uh, publishers. Um, they do esports, or at least how it was a few years ago when I was working with some of them, but they they hold esports competitions because they want to provide for um their fans and their players over there and they're often you know on the pro esports scenes they're paying for everything now you've seen a little bit more um like teams building their own teams and you're seeing less of the publishers having to invest it but they're investing a lot in this and so you know the hats off to all of them they can do whatever they want with their ip and we will always make sure that we maintain great relationships with them. So, you know, if I, you know, between those two, I I think it mostly comes down to the operator because from what I think I've seen in multiple different avenues is that if you are searching for exclusivity, you're not caring about your consumer base or the people that you say you care about. Um, Because if you were, you would be open to all and we can't grow not only as an organization, any organization can't grow. The industry, Scholastic Esports, cannot grow if we're not welcoming and encouraging others to be a part of it. Right. And I, I can add a little bit here, too, just on a personal note. You know, I know that there's quite a few, um, I don't want to call them really grassroots, but uh, local state groups that are running really good quality events and tournaments. And I, I just... In my mind, I can't imagine going to um, one of these AAA publishers and asking for exclusivity, because then what I'm doing is I feel like I'm I'm stabbing them in the back. I'm saying to them, um, "Tell your kids, sorry, but you're now being forced to use my platform," um, and that's just I feel like anti-competitive and and wrong. Um, they should be able to choose what they want to do. Uh, if they and want to play not, with us, then that's great. If they want to play with yeah. them, that's great. If they want to do both, that's also great. But I'm not going to go force somebody to come and play on my platform. Mm. Um, you know, I'll add one more thing because I'm a stats person. Um, I like to look at numbers with it. But um, I think a really big number that plays into here and why I think the onus comes on to operators and anybody in this space is that if you look at the scholastic esports level, um, you know, only about half of colleges have esports programs and it's even less in high schools, you know, probably about a third of high schools have esports programs. That number has grown exponentially in the last three, four, you know, even five years, but there's still a lot of room to grow, obviously. And a lot of the schools that don't have esports programs are frankly the ones that are already struggling with in what we call the digital divide or you know are struggling to get access to any resources so again by already creating through exclusivities you know stripping away opportunities you're making it even harder for people to be a part of this industry and that again just goes against the very fabric of what we need to be as an industry and what we are as an organization 
so we hear the story come up and obviously you know logically like we explained earlier it might seem like play versus is you know kind of protecting its contract protecting its exclusivity that it's earned with these publishers but obviously there, there is a bigger picture that seems to be missed it's the kids the schools teachers all things of that nature and so i guess you, you guys talked about a little bit just kind of the the smaller anecdotal impacts that this you know kind of attempt to monopolize has had on you guys what are some of some some big or get some bigger possible ramifications across the country if we continue trading esports or scholastic esports in this way, where it's you know fighting for exclusivity rights with, with other uh, you know competitors, for, you know basically presenting your cases to publishers on why you should have this right or anything like that. What are the bigger ramifications of that kind of uh, competitive or or really monopolistic uh, you know standpoint on scholastic esports? Yeah, to me, I mean, you know, we've already seen um, Kentucky banned Fortnite. Um, we're, we're seeing states pull out and say, we're going to sit back and wait uh, until there's some peace, um, some, some sort of resolution in the space. And all that does is push everyone back, uh, you know, who knows how many years, right? So that's, I think, the biggest ramification of what's going on right now. Um you know, there, I think there's some smaller things too, but uh, th- those two, I think, are are kind of the 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 big ones. It's you know the states and even you know some of these governing bodies, which which is why you know there's there's an argument to be had that esports is is so much different than traditional sports, um, and we need to be taking advantage of that. And so that's one of the reasons why we're we're going to uh, an educational path. So we're using education to uh, set up a, a solid foundation at the school, uh, and that's something we've invested heavily in um, to combat kind of these, uh, you know, the, the the bad taste that's already been put in these um, state associations' mouths. You know. The, it's like okay, well, what's the what's the point of spinning our wheels there? We we know that that doesn't work. The top down mandate doesn't work, um, it, it, and it never has. Uh, especially now, you get all these ads and like, why? What am I doing buying computers and playing video games in my school? I I was a football player in high school. I don't know what this means. Um, but you go to the school board and you say, well, we have classes, we have curriculum, um, we have we have courses that you can take. We have professional development for your teachers. Um, and it's all using gaming as an avenue to get these students involved and, and care about school. And we've seen crazy numbers like 10% attendance growth, 1.7 GPA boosts. Wow. Um, so w- we're looking at it through the lens of education and, and going through the school board. Um, and it's perpetual. It's a way pathway to funding. It's perpetual funding for the school. They can buy equipment. They can pay their coaches. They can have um, um, more courses and curriculum that not just we develop, but um, others develop. So you, know, you have Perkins grants, you have health and wellness grants, you have ESSER funds, uh, all of these different avenues to fund your school. And that that also plays into, I know I'm kind of getting off on a little bit of a tangent, no, but I think this is important. Um, it also plays into the ex- inclusivity. Like this whole, the whole theme of this is inclusivity. What they're doing is exclusive and divisive, and the path that we want to take is inclusive so that 
any school in the country, regardless of socioeconomic status or title status, is able to get funding and have a functioning and solid foundation for an esports program at their school. Uh, and we're doing that through the school board and the board of education, not through athletics, because it, it doesn't need to go that way. And I think it's harmful. Um, and as we've seen the last couple of years, uh, it is harmful and it's setting us back. Hmm. I could talk about this all day. I think in a, <laughs> a quick nutshell here, you know, what we're talking about is it's stifling growth. Those are the two words you're looking for. Um, you know, pre-pandemic, even in like 2016, esports on the pro side was selling out stadiums, you know, at Staples Center or at the Olympic Stadium for League of Legends. Um, and it's continued to do that in the pro scene. And then it started to grow with Heroes of the Dorm on the collegiate side of mm -hmm. things. And that was the next, you know, kind of growth area was going from pro um, to collegiate. Now you're seeing it with high school. And again, to Mason's point, what I mentioned earlier is that there's a long way to go to hit a threshold of um, hitting a critical mass threshold to make it sustainable for any monopoly to succeed. In general, we haven't hit that, nor would we even want it if that were the case. But even if you were looking at it from the other side of the lens, we always have to look at the, you know, um, every point of view. If you're looking at it from, you know, somebody who wants to have exclusivities and be the main player in it, you don't have critical mass to allow that for it to be successful. And so, um, you know, even from that just lens, it it really is just stifling competition and it's stifling growth of it and what was growing so rapidly you see stats and numbers all the time how uh the league of legends championships or other championships are getting more viewerships than the super bowl you know and and twitch is exploding in popularity and people are just tuning in and it's becoming this natural thing because hey guess what everybody who is now 30 35 and are educators or parents we grew up with video games so it's a very different conversation that I've had to do, you know, frankly, for the last decade, which is talk to people older than me who don't understand and typically came from athletics, don't understand why video games, people who play video games are athletes or why it's so popular. The people now who are taking over the reins and are leading the path, they grew up with video games. So this is natural to them. And so you are taking away these opportunities through this type of monopolization and um, it really is stifling growth in a time when it should be skyrocketing. And there you have it, the VP of growth saying it's stifling growth. I mean, who better to say it than, than him, right? <laughs> I can bust out the charts if we need to right there. Uh, hold, hold, hold on to that slideshow. Okay, we're about to get into it in a second. No, no, no. But honestly, like you guys, you felt so strongly about this. You had to put out some sort of statement, some sort of like announcement. And you yourself, Mason, kind of penned it where you kind of stated or it's made more of a promise that moving forward you would never I just already said you would never pursue exclusivity rights of any kind with game publishers and so I mean would you do that even if it was to your detriment and, and maybe to the benefit of a competing operator or something like that would, would that still be like your stance like it doesn't matter we shouldn't be focusing on exclusive contracts for these games it should be available for everybody anybody right 100% yeah I mean and that's weird to say right from a for-profit company um, it, it, this is our life. This is our, our passion. The co-founders, as long as we're in charge, <laughs> that's how it will be. Every decision will be made on uh, the basis of more opportunity for, 
for students, uh, regardless of if it's the, at the detriment. Um, maybe it's a, a, a short-term detriment to us, but we believe that as long as we support the ecosystem as a whole, um, long-term, you know, that that is a benefit to us. Rising tides uh, is our mentality there. For sure. And so, I mean, I'm just reminded of the story. I don't know if you guys are being into any kind of like uh, economic history or anything like that, but it reminds me of the story of, of Volvo creating the first seat belts, the first three-point harnesses and all that stuff, and that they, they patented it, but they just pretty much gave up the rights to the patent in order to have a benefit for all, which is something back in, what, 50s, 60s, was virtually unheard of a company doing something so that that had the potential for so much so much in, in profits that they essentially gave it up and and let it be known for all manufacturers to kind of put forth their own uh, three point harness and safety uh, safety belts and all things of that nature and so this is something that I can kind of uh, relate to in in more ways than one I mean there's countless examples there's countless stories that can follow the same lead it all comes back to one thing it's that it's not what's best for you as the company it's what's best for all who kind of uh form a, form a community around those companies right so it's something that we all need to focus on and so i'm sure when you guys put out the statement you guys received a lot of uh interesting comments uh, of the like but uh, i imagine it was more of a, a support than anything else and so uh, i guess our last topic on on this quick conversation would be like how closely do you plan on working with publishers in the future? I mean, I, I know you mentioned you have a good relationship with Riot. Um, I know that I'm not sure how the relationship with Activision Blizzard, if that's still kind of there or is, is that bridge is still being rebuilt of, of some sort. But I'm sure you guys have plans in the future to continue working with publishers along with schools through that very, you know, that, that lens of education, right? Yeah, and there's there's no bridges need to be rebuilt. Um, mm-hmm. We've always maintained good relationships, um, even with with Riot through all of that. Um, you know, we offer Valorant, and, and that's great. Uh, it's one of our most popular games. Uh, they love that. Um, I think that the publishers are starting to see the value in the education side of things as well. Um, and so, the 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 main thing too. Um, so aside from the education piece is uh, stat tracking and mm-hmm. having a, kind of a player card on your player profile. Um, so there's a pipeline here, and you know you go from middle school to high school to two year, four year institution, even into the career world. Um, you want kind of a a you know a way to showcase who you are uh, in a quick scope for recruiting purposes. Um, so so you're, you're really fulfilling that pipeline need that is out there right now. It's a big pain point for a lot of uh, collegiate programs. Um, and and then there's, you know, eventually we'll, uh, we'll get into some other things that will help with that. And I, you know, I can, maybe I can talk about that <laughs> a little bit later, but um yeah, I mean, we would love to, uh, you know, so we just launched a f- new feature called Challenges. We did that with AimLab. Um, and we think that there's great potential there for, you know, single player games, retro games, uh, things that, uh, you know, you just have like kind of a ladder or a single player leaderboard for and, e- and even multiplayer games. But, um, you know, so we want to be able to plug into their a- API and, and really gain access to um, a certain number of things that uh, make it really interesting for the student and provide a ton of value for the ecosystem as a whole when you're talking about not just recruiting from high school to college, but even free agentry uh, when you get out into kind of the 
youth space or or even past that in adult rec you know you're trying to find a team to play with and oh let's filter and search through all these players and and see kind of um you know what their skills are what what position do they play you know uh, that that type of thing for sure and so um obviously uh what are some things that you can talk about let's talk about the future let's talk about a little bit more of an upswing on things because obviously <laughs> we don't want to be downers all the time there are some things that generation esports are working on that you can talk about i'm sure that kind of can uh, take our minds off of a looming issue such as this one but what are some of the the big initiatives coming forth i know you mentioned the challengers with aim lab what are some of the big initiatives you guys are working on besides that uh coming into 2022 we're still still early it's only the second month of the year so i'm sure you guys have a lot ahead of you going into the the rest of the year <laughs> yeah oh go ahead I jump in real quick because i know this is going to get you excited here because <laughs> talked about it a lot but uh, he touched on it briefly i think education is something that really excites us and i think the next wave of this the future of this um of scholastic esports and so in november we actually put out another statement mason also penned it um where we were giving we gave away a hundred thousand dollars worth of curriculum yes and again, that is our commitment um, to the educators. And so I just wanted to just jump in before Mason, because I know he's got a lot <laughs> to talk about here. Um, like that, for me personally, excites me and I know excites our company is that it all comes back to how can we support educators and students? And so I just want to quickly get in because I know Mason's got a lot to talk about here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could, uh, there's, a, there's so many things on the roadmap, right? Um, but I think, you know, the education is, is a big focus for us this year. Um, we've been working for years to get it to where, you know, it's at right now to where we can finally provide that pathway to funding for schools. I mean, there's tons of hoops you have to jump through to get to this point. Uh, it's being taught in a thousand schools in the country. It was downloaded 400,000 times, 40 different countries, Microsoft educator, community portal, Microsoft partnered with us on that. Um, and so that was kind of our test pilot. And that was gaming concepts 1.0. Now we're at 1.1 and, and this is the CTE STEM um, certified. And, and I can go into all the, the ways that that helps a school as a revenue driver for them. Um, so it's kind of a win-win-win uh, for everybody, the school and us and, and the educators or the students, I mean. Um, but the other thing that we're working on is um, streaming. So we're actually uh, getting into, and I, I can't name the company, but uh, uh, it's very low barrier of entry streaming. So what kid doesn't want to be a streamer, right? And so we're looking at how do we get the spotlight on the student a little bit more um, so they can share it with their friends and family. Uh, so, so this we're looking at an acquisition uh, that kind of makes our roadmap uh, accelerate by about two years. And it's, there's a lot of cool features here. So um, there's a social, a social feature of, uh, you know, you have your feed and you can scope that to your community, your team, or just site-wide. Um, or your, your friends or your follows, right? And then uh, on top of that, there's a streaming portion. So you don't have to have a massive gaming PC that is super powerful and uh, all that stuff, you know, 3000 plus dollars. Um, you don't know, have to have the um, uh, super fast internet, uh, you know, super low latency. It's literally one button click. You don't have to set up OBS. You don't have to go through all of that, you know, 12 <laughs> different hoops to, to expensive hoops um, to become a streamer and it's all kind of done on the back end in the cloud uh, and and so 
that opens up a ton of doors for content creation and tonnage. So getting a ton of content. Um, and then there's AI. So so there's um, machine vision AI that's auto-clipping the top plays for these students. So let's say you join a match and you're playing against X high school or whatever middle school, and you want to stream your game. Well, on the match page, it would have a video and you can click through to each person's different perspective. At the end of that, let's say you're a member of that game, you can choose, hey, clip my top five plays and send them out to all my social medias. Uh, and then we, as, as Generation Esports, can then go and take that and syndicate that content out and auto-distribute it to local affiliates across the country for ESPN, Fox, all of, you know, all the different. And then, hey, uh, I'll just say my, my high school, Blue Springs High School in, in Missouri, um, here's the top five plays from our team, and here's a ticker at the bottom of all their scores, right? So that kind of thing is really cool. And then you, as a student, you're saying, okay, I see all of the, the football scores on TV. Now I get to see the esports scores as well. And so it creates that level of credibility and legitimacy. And then it makes them at school, they're, they wear their jersey to school and they feel like, man, I'm really a part of something. Um, so there's a lot of different benefits there. And then we kind of enter into this quasi-media <laughs> <laughs> uh, company, um, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm so excited about that one because every kid wants to stream, but there are, I guess the whole story behind Generation Esports is the haves and the have-nots, mm -hmm. and how do we get the have-nots up to the same level as the haves, and this is an awesome way to do it with something that kids really care about. Uh, and 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 the education piece is critical to that, right? So you're getting Title I schools and, and low-income area schools the same access to equipment and 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 internet and uh, gaming and you know competition, and then you're also doing the same thing on the streaming side, and that's two things that these kids really 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 care about um, this day and age. So. Uh, sorry, that's my rant about that. But there's a, there's so many exciting things, I mean, and that's that's just two things, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many other cool things that we've got in store. We've we've done some stuff um, that I want to touch on too. Uh, the Q system has reduced forfeits, and forfeits that's such a big problem in this industry. Uh, from forty percent, now it hovers below two percent. Wow. Um, we, the season that we announced it, we got from 40% to 5%. And now it's every every tournament we run or season we run that is using the Q system um, is is about 2%. So it, it reduces all scheduling conflicts. No need for scheduling. You pick a window, you queue up, you plan against somebody that's there and ready to play, right? Instead of oh, you have your your schedule for the whole year and. Uh, two people or two teams didn't show up or four teams didn't show up and, and you only got to play two matches. I mean, and, and you paid 40 bucks or 60 bucks for it. I mean, that's what a, what a ripoff that is. Right. <laughs> um, so it's like, what a cool benefit there. And then we've added in something we call questing as well. So it's an incentive to continue the season, even if you lose your first four or five games, well, there's a perfect attendance 
uh, quest. So there's different things like, okay, I lose four in a row. That's a quest. I win four in a row. That's a quest. So you can scale it up and down or scope it up and down um, to whatever you want and get really fun and creative with it and have the kids have a reason to come back and play. And, and, and that kind of ties into the challenges as well. So there's always something going on, something to do uh, to help you complete those quests and, and engage in the platform. Um, so I, the, I rant over, but a lot of really cool stuff um, on the horizon and a lot of really cool stuff that we were able to do in this last year as well. For sure. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I told you he had a lot to talk about. I mean, he, he knocked it out of the park. I was sitting there just like trying to write down notes. I'm just like, okay, so streaming. Okay, so we're going to try streaming. We're going to try a little bit more uh, focusing on ESPN tickers and stuff like that, that nature. We're going <laughs> well, to focus. It's, it's yeah, a whole you can lot. think of it kind of like um, a marketplace uh, we want, you know, we want them to to play from even elementary. We're looking into uh, all the way until you know senior leagues, wow. right? So we we want them to build their profile and and really engage in the platform in, in a number of different ways and and fun and exciting and cool things and and not just competition. For sure. And you guys have a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Unfortunately, we're a little bit short on time, so I, I can't take up more of your time, but that's okay because you can always follow them on socials at joingene, generationesports.com. And guys, where can people follow along with you? I'm assuming uh, maybe a LinkedIn or a Twitter account you guys can throw out there for people to uh, kind of click on. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the John Schrader at, or that, the John Schrader. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't really do much personal social <laughs> media stuff. Um, I kind of uh, stay in the shadows when it comes to that. But uh, the company stuff is where you can find me. Perfect. And I'm on Discord. Yeah, I'm on Discord 24-7, and my email is always open, um, always open for a call. Yeah, we've got handles everywhere on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, whether it's HSEL, Generation Esports, but anything you need from either mason myself or any of our um executives we're here for that and you'll hear what we are talking about there that's awesome guys well best of luck moving forward i can't thank you guys for enough for hopping on the podcast with me so thank you so much yeah thanks kevin great to be here they are mason molino ceo and co-founder of generation esports along with jonathan schrader the vp of growth at the very same generation esports i of course am kevin correa right here on the esports network podcast yeah.